This week on The Deeper Podcast, we are going to finish our conversation about marriage. From the rib of Adam, we get the woman Eve as a helper in Elohim's garden. Bone of his bones, flesh of his flesh, man is intended to leave his mother and father and pursue his wife forever. What God has joined, let no man separate. Welcome back, everyone, to The Deeper Podcast. I'm your host, Kaysen. Thanks for tuning in wherever you're listening from this week. This week's guests are Beulah Church's youth and children pastors, Ben and Jasmine Scott. How are you guys today? Good. We're doing so good. We're so happy to be here. That's awesome. This episode is part two of our mini-series on the podcast just in time for Valentine's Day. And this series is all about marriage and its overall design. Last week, my wife and I explored biblical marriage and went into detail of both partners' role in that. This week, the Scots are going to give us a little peek into their marriage and what has made it work for some... How many years has it been? 14 years. 14 This year. Yep. Before we get into the nitty-gritty, I didn't really even realize that it's awesome that you guys are both pastors in the church and in married together. So this this should just be good all together. I, I hadn't even made that connection until now, to be honest. But So I guess let me ask a question about that. Um, how, has, how has your marriage affected your ability or willingness to pastor at all? Or vice versa, how has your pa- pastoring and your ministry affected your marriage? I mean, for the most part, it's been positive, I think, of like being able to go to the church functions because we're both super involved, you know, and and, and both being able to back, have each other's back as far as planning and scheduling and stuff like that. I think it's been a really cool understanding. Um, not only do I get to be his wife and his helpmate as a pastor's wife, but he gets to be a pastor's husband too. And so I think that we just understand that ministry is you know, super important to us, and we have been blessed to have this role, and we encourage each other. And sometimes it's hard, and we need each other's encouragement. But I think there's a cool understanding in both being pastors um, who, you know, how to encourage each other. We kind of know what it's like being in the nitty-gritty of ministry because we both do it um, kind of on, in our own areas. So it's actually been really awesome. Okay, well, let's go back to the beginning Um not Genesis, but your marriage. Um, <laughs> so how how did it all start? Oh, boy. So <laughs> I took this one. Um, I had a buddy that I, um, I didn't go to school with. My parents were friends, and so we became really close friends. And he was actually uh, had his yearbook out. We were scrolling through his yearbook, and I seen Jasmine's face in there. I was like, golly, she is hot. And so... <laughs> I uh, I was told my buddy I was like man I, you got to you got to point her out to me so he was at a football game and he pointed her out and I can't remember exactly but I we we talked a little bit and and um, ended up that was that would have been in the fifth grade mm-hmm. and we ended up I uh, asked her to be my girlfriend in the fifth grade and so we dated <laughs> for like two weeks and then she broke up with me oh you didn't have to bring that up. <laughs> She broke up with me. I was actually on vacation too. So, um, 
Yeah. Makes me sound terrible. <laughs> and then, uh, so then our, in between our junior and senior year, I actually had met her again. And we was we was always talking on and off in between there, but I met her. We met met up again in between junior and senior year, and we actually started dating again. And here we are now, fourteen yeah. years later, for got, real high school sweethearts. Got <laughs> married in uh, two thousand ten. We were twenty one. Twenty one. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then had three kids. Pretty quick. Yep. Nine <laughs> months the day we were married, we had our first kid. There it is. <laughs> so. Um, were you guys both believers going in, or, or what did that look like? What did your faith look like at the time? For sure. We were both believers, um, not probably to the extent that we are now, um, but church was pretty important to us. We, we went to church um, every Sunday together. Um, if it was with his family, if it was with my family, we made it a point to get into church. Now, were we doing all the right things? Probably not. Um but for sure, we were believers, and it was just important to us. Um, there was always a mutual understanding that we wanted to raise our kids um, in church and teach them about the Lord. That was super important to us. What was your background as your faith? Were you always um, put on here charismatic? Were, so were you uh, always in like the Pentecostal, Holy Ghost-filled? Do you want to answer? I'll that? go first. So okay. I, I I went to a... Uh, strictly Baptist church when I was, when I was young, you know, and, um, yeah, so strictly Baptist church. And then we started going to the Cleed Cowboy church. We met Tim Jennings there, started, uh, reeling or realizing more Jasmine will tell her story, but this is mine. Um, started to realize there was more to it than just what I was being taught and what was being left out of the Bible. (laughs) Yeah. So I grew up like young, young in a pretty strict Baptist church as well. And then uh, my more like teenage years was probably just a non-denominational church. Um, But I did get to go to an Assembly of God church camp with my niece when I was about 12 years old. Um, And that I didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit besides sometimes going to church with my sister. She was a worship pastor at an Assembly of God church. And so we saw things there, people speaking in tongues, people maybe getting slain in the spirit that my mom actually didn't agree with. Um, So my mom actually thought that my sister was part of a cult for a while. (laughs) And so I didn't really know because I had never been taught, but I go to this church camp and this, this pastor is preaching on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he says, if you want this, just come down to the front. And as I begin to... I was like, okay, you know, because I felt I felt something in my gut saying, yes, there is more, and you need to seek it out. And so I went, <laughs> I started to walk down to the front, but I didn't make it there. And I remember just lifting my hands up, and I was slain in the spirit. Um, and I just remember saying, Lord, whatever it is that you have for me, like I want it. And I remember I got slain in the spirit. I began to speak in tongues, but and it was amazing. And I went home, and I could tell I could talk on that story for a long time. But I went home and started reading the Bible and and watching these things and being like, oh my gosh, this is like the whole book of Acts. Like this happened. Like this yeah. is real. But I had to prove to my mom that I wasn't crazy. That it was a real encounter. Um, I, I I don't even really know that I really at, at the beginning shared it with Ben until later until he kind of started being like, 
this is real. And I'd be like, yeah, well, I, like I, I, I speak in tongues. Like I pray in tongues too. And he's like, you know what? And so, but I think for him really too, and one thing that he didn't say was our friends also, some of our really close friends were getting really involved as well. And we saw a huge change in them and he saw a huge change in me. And I think that that was, that was huge for us, you know? And so um, as I began to kind of let that kind of come back out or whatever, it was pretty cool. So yeah, now we're like, yeah. now we're all in. <laughs> so just so I understand, did the this happen at different times for both of you to some degree? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, she was, like you said, 12 yeah, years old. Yeah, I was like 12 when and it happened well, for okay. me. Okay, that makes sense. I was yeah. like 20. Yeah. No, not 18. 19, probably. Yeah, probably 19, yeah, 20. 19. It was before we got married, yeah. for sure. But then it had no effect on, like, you weren't bothered by her be, believing more of this than you had understood at the time, I guess? No, I thought it was kind of hot. <laughs> All right. <laughs> there it is. Right. Let's talk about 2 Corinthians 6, 14 a little bit. Um was there a time, and it kind of sounds like maybe not really, but uh, was there a time where you weren't as equally yoked in your faith, perhaps? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't really remember when she shared with me or whatever, but I, I, she it was easier for her to step right in, back in, you know, because, I mean, I, I think, I'm not trying to speak out of turn, but um, I feel like that she was able to, you know, because I, I witnessed her speaking in tongues before I even was slain in the spirit or anything like that, you know. And when, when that first encounter happened, um, long story there, but uh, it was my my really, really good, like basically one of my brothers, I, I call him, you know, and, and he had a rough, rough go at life, you know, and and he was slain in the spirit, got filled with the Holy Ghost that night. And I mean, it was all at the same time, you know, and, and but she, she, uh, she was already when we was worshiping and stuff could speak in tongues and stuff like that, you know. So there was a time where, you know, she was a little ahead of the game, you know, for sure. Yeah, I, I think. I mean, I don't know. I think that it was just cool that God did use. I don't know that he ever really felt inferior to that, but I think that there was a you know a comment made too where the Lord kind of revealed to him, no, like I'm the spiritual leader of our house, and it's time for me to step into that role. Even though I don't know that I was taking it over, I don't know how to say that. But yeah, I just felt like she was farther along, you know, in her in her walk, you know. And it, there was the devil trying to step in and say, "Hey, you know, she's she's more spiritual than you are," you know. And then got the whole revelation, and no, you're the spiritual leader of the house. Take your role, like I've given you. So let's talk about another scripture that we talked about last week with. Uh, being one flesh, um, Genesis two twenty four says, "Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh." I had talked about the the actual original language and how in Hebrew it can also mean to uh, pursue your wife rather than just to like hang on to her. It's actually to kind of chase after her a little bit. And so, do you have any instances in your life of you kind of putting that into into action, I guess. Where I pursued her? Yeah. I feel like that you constantly have to pursue your spouse. You know, I feel like that <clears throat> she that if, if a marriage is going to work, the the spouse has to share what, you know, maybe their love language is or maybe what, what 
gets their motor going. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I mean, they, they, they share that, or if you haven't figured it out, you know, through, through doing life with them, then you, you need to, I mean, I feel like that's a big key to making a marriage a success is, is, uh, seeking what, what does it for them, you know? And as far as like, you know, jazz, her, her love language is, is being affectionate or, 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 you know, showing her, showing her how much you love her and, and the little things, you know, like, like, that, uh, for instance, you know, we, we, whoever makes coffee in the morning leaves a note to the other one right by the coffee pot, you know, um, it, she loves, she loves gift giving or getting gifts, you know, so I constantly trying to, you know, you know, do, do that for her and just always, always looking for, for a way to obviously make her happy, you know, or, or, or do, do what, what gets her, makes her excited to to pursue me back you know and it's the love language thing is a pretty big one because carly and i have had that my love language is not the same as hers we have very different i I just like to hang out like if we're just in the same room and we don't even have to be talking to each other doing the same thing that's fine with me that's the like connection there and she wants me to be involved with whatever she's doing and do things with her specific so it's pursuing is um matching what they want even though it might not be exactly what you're wanting yeah. to do a little bit. Because I'm I'm just like you. I'm the type of person who's like, hey, if we're we're hanging around each other, it's that's cool, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and it, it doesn't work like that. You know, I mean that's I you you grow as you go through your marriage, you grow, you know, and, and I, I would say that our marriage started out like that. We we went through the rough patches of figuring out, you know, I just like a lot of couples do. We went through the figuring out of, of what it takes to make a marriage successful, you know. Um, on the flip side of that, Jazz, uh, Carly had talked last week. Uh, she'd said something about, like, the seasons of her, of, of a woman's life and how they can affect the way a woman wants to be pursued, maybe maybe even their love language. I don't know. Um, can you speak to that just first? Yeah, I, I listened to the podcast last week, which was wonderful. Um and we don't definitely claim to be marriage experts at all, but we have been, we've been married for, it'll be 14 years in September, but we were together for three years before that. And I think that we went through the super awkward, like high school stage. Um, we graduated at the same time. We went to college at the same time. We graduated from college. We um, had our kids really, you know, fast. And so we've been through those the really young kids stage. But more than that, we've been through really hard things. Um, I've lost my dad since we've been together and my mom. Um, he's lost his dad and his grandparents. So we've been through really, really hard times and some pretty tragic, traumatic things. And I think that our seasons have changed so much. Um, on just ha- how to love each other in really hard seasons or really easy seasons. And even if that looked like, I, I don't need you to talk to me, I just need you to be here. Or sometimes if I was way down in the, the trenches, I needed him to be a little bit stern. Hey, you know, no, you're going to be fine. Get up. Let's do this. It does change, and it's doing life. And it's it's honestly being in tune with um, 
with the Lord, because at the end of the day, the Lord has given you everything that you need to be a successful husband or wife for your spouse. Um, if you have had that covenant with the Lord and you're asking the Lord, you know, when you invite him into that, when you make that marriage covenant, he will bless you as long as you're in line with what he wants you to do. And so you have to kind of have that confidence in yourself that says, hey, we might be in a really hard season and I might not know how to love him well, but Lord, I need your help. And he'll show you how to love your spouse in the hardest of hard seasons. And I think that we've experienced that. Um, and now we're in a totally different season. When the kids were really little, it was little things like if he would, you know, start my car and put the diaper bags out there so I didn't have to haul all, all three kids and another trip with diaper bags. It was if he'd pick up the kids for me, if it was, hey, would you change a dirty diaper? Um, but now it's different. And now our kids are have a better social life, I think, than we do. <laughs> we spend a lot of our time running around. And so that's a, hey, he, you know, hey, I'll, I'll take this tournament this weekend and you'll take this tournament this weekend. But one thing that we always try to do, because if you know our schedule, you know it's crazy. Um, we always try to spend time. Is Whenever we get in bed together, it's 15 minutes. How was your day? And we get to just literally be engaged with each other. Um, but we did that when the kids were little too. You know, it was, it, whenever that was something that we were really like, intentional about. And we, I don't think we'll ever stray from that because those that 15 minutes before we fall asleep means a lot, I think, to us. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, the two <laughs> minutes of other stuff too. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> Just as important. Yeah. All right. So the next scripture we're going to talk about is that Ephesians 5, 22 and 23. So Jazz, um, I've asked both, I asked Miss Morrow a couple weeks ago and I asked Carly last week. And so this week, um, what I want to know is what you think it looks like to submit to your husband as a godly wife. Well, I think that, and I think that both of them, touched on this and spoke on this, but submission is not a bad word. And I think that so many women get the idea that it's a bad word and so they ignore it, or they just want to read on down in that scripture in Ephesians. It says, but yeah, you should love me like Christ loves the church. And they want to kind of hold that over their husband's head. You know, well, I won't submit to you unless if you'll love me that way. And it doesn't really work that way because submission to your husband really is the Lord's design. And I think that submission to your husband is also an expression of submission to the Lord. And I was reading a, um, a little thing on submission, and it, it truly honors God when we submit to our husbands. And I think that's, that I would venture to say, if you're having trouble submitting to your husband, what does your submission to the Lord look like? Um, it is a blessing to have a husband who will lead your home well, and that, and I trust that He's talking to the Lord, and um, and He's going to lead us the good way, the right way. And so um, that would just be my question to young women maybe that are having a hard time submitting to their husband. Well, um, it does honor God. It is His design. But what is your what is your submission to the Lord look like if you're struggling with that? That might be something that you need to work on. <laughs> and it might start there. It might start with, you know, submitting to your husband. Yeah, and it's a lot of times I feel like you see that in marriages where it's one side where it's not equally yoked and the it could go either way it could go a man is like i'm waiting on her to submit until mm -hmm. i act godly and the woman's like i wait on him to treat me like the church and then i'll submit and it's like well how about you just do what you're told to start and the, maybe the other personal line like it doesn't matter what they're doing you do what you're supposed to do yeah exactly start yeah. There. 
the flip side of that are as the as the husband, are there certain expectations that you have from your wife as as far as submitting? Maybe why'd you laugh when you asked that? <laughs> <laughs> no, I one 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 expectation is kind of like she pointed out is that I expect her to trust my lead. You know, trust my that I'm in tune and I'm I'm you know seeking the Lord and the decisions that need to be made. And I'm I, that's one of my expectations is that she trusts that I've got that under control. You know. Um, but I mean, there's that's that's really broad. I mean, what 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 the expectations could be? You know, it could be household things or should participate in as well. You know, as far as like little stuff around the house, or else it could be the in, uh, intentional, um, physical, t- you know, okay, sexual stuff. <laughs> you know, there's that expectations too that 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 she's got to want me just as I want her. You know. So last week we also talked about Mark three twenty five, um, where it says that a house divided will fall. I talked a little bit about the strong man of the marriage being, to me, just simply unity in the marriage. And so I wanted you guys to give any advice to folks out there that are potentially living in that divided home, um, where maybe one of them isn't a believer or one of them isn't fully on board or whatever the case, uh, just handling something like that. I think that is really hard, and I think that we found ourselves a lot of times in situations with friends over the years that that has been the case. Um, There's been the husband that's really on board or the wife that's really on board, and there's so much pushback. But I love what you said last week about the devil trying to destroy the strong man, and I think in a lot of times that is the husband in the relationship because the devil knows his role and how important it is once he knows the spiritual role that he has and leading his family, he's scared of that. So yeah, of course he's going to try to take out the man. I think your statistics last week were the men's were much higher um, than the women's on um, maybe being unfaithful or whatever that might look like. And I think that men do struggle. I mean, women struggle too, but I do feel like men struggle. And I think the biggest reason for that is the devil's trying to take out the strong man of the home. And I think that a lot of times as I'm just going to speak to the wife end of this, If you're in that situation and your husband is struggling and he doesn't want to go to church or there's so much pushback in, you know, well, I don't believe that or whatever, you have to be that example. And I tell, I've told some of my friends this in the past, well, my husband won't go to church. I said, well, you go anyway, because you're going to lead by example. You know, you pray anyway, you do your Bible study anyway. And when your husband begins to see that change in you, he'll know that it's real. Why? Because he spends every day with you, every moment with you. When he says something is so much different in my wife and I don't know what it is. And the only explanation is the Lord. He's going to want to get on board too. And so I always tell people, if you're in that situation, don't quit. Don't quit. Keep going. Keep pursuing the Lord above all else. Because scripture tells us that he works all things out for good for the those that love him, right? And he will. And but you have to stand on that promise, and that means not giving up, not letting the devil win in that situation. I think that's what's one thing that has kept us successful um, whenever it was really hard. We just refused to let the devil win. We refused to let him, you know, win in our marriage. And uh, I think that's why we are where we are today. Yeah. I think she answered that very well. It's so so easy to give up, but that giving up is where it when it fails. Not only trying not to give up, but speaking life into your 
counterpart, speaking positive, you know, um, don't, you know, we know our words are, are just as bad as our actions, you know, so if you're speaking negativity over, you're telling everybody this, I mean, this is getting deep here, but if you're going around telling all the, all your, your friends or, or peers or people in the church, all the negative things about your counterpart, you're, you're speaking death over that over the that your your counterpart there your your spouse so if you're always speaking positive things but just hey just pray for him you know yeah. and uh given given that out it's it's a lot easier to overcome I, I in my opinion you know i've seen it time and time again where maybe adultery was committed or whatever you know um the spouse was talking negatively about the adulterer or whatever you should say well that's that gets super tough that's hard to you know what I mean? Come out of where if you were speaking positive things, just asking for prayer for them, and you were doing your part, but still being positive, I think it's so much easier to to make that divided house successful again. Um, Rick spoke on the the Jezebel spirit today, and and I think that that is one of those tools where the devil's going to come after that strong man. That's probably what leads that statistic being as high as it is, is because Jezebel spirit, it can come from both sides. Like, like, like I said, it can be, it can be a man or a woman, but it gets in the, in that marriage and starts, I would say just as like the Jezebel spirit in the church is wanting to attack the leader of the church, it's going to want to attack the leader of the house. Right. And it's going to, it's going to start tearing things apart from the inside out. And then it gets, it's gossip driven spirit will have you out telling all, like you just said, Ben, like telling everybody all the gossip of your marriage and destroying your marriage just through your tongue. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's so important to, um, I feel like in a lot of hard seasons of our lives, sometimes it felt like it was just us and God. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it had to be that way because we have families that we love and um, not just blood families, but um, friendship families that we love. And I think that we didn't ever want them to think negatively of the other spouse. Um, and sometimes it was just us and God. Sometimes that counsel only came from the Lord. The counsel didn't come from a good a good Bible-believing friend, a good praying friend. It came from the Lord and Scripture. And what did it say? And I'll tell you what, the Lord never failed us. He never talked to anyone else about us um, or talked to any yeah anyone else about us. And it was just... Sometimes it had to be that way, and I I just want to speak to people that maybe do feel alone sometimes if they're in a divided house. I'm telling you that sometimes it's okay if it's just you and Jesus. Sometimes that's okay. Um, You don't have to have a whole bunch of people around you rallying and praying. A few are good, and we have been incredibly blessed, incredibly blessed with some people right here at Beulah um, and in our lives that have only ever wanted what God wants for us. And that is for us to be successful and in love for all of our years. And I just think that, you know, don't be don't be afraid if you, there's only a couple people rooting for you because Jesus is always rooting for your marriage. The covenant that you made with him is really serious to him. And, and, and he doesn't ever want to see it broken. That's right. I mean, if you ever, I taught it today in kids' church, if you ever feel lonely, you need to look at your walk. You need to look at what, what's going on because you should never feel alone. I mean, your your counsel's right there with you as long as your long as your walk's right and your head's in it. Well, for the for the very last thing from you guys, um, for those listening, right before we started, literally right before a couple minutes before we started, I gave each of them a piece of paper to write a couple things down, um, just three things that they 
love about each other. And I only gave him a few minutes. I didn't want him to come up with some big, flashy, goofy stuff. So <laughs> this is kind of right off the cuff. So whoever wants to go first, you go ahead. Three things you love about each other. All right. My first one was that she's hot. <laughs> and oh she's goofy. But I'm, I'm very thankful that she's always very positive. You know, that means a lot to me. I, there's so much negative in this world, but it's, you, you, for the most part, she is a very positive person. <laughs> for the most part. <laughs> for the most part. Yeah. Um, my three things. Uh, number one is his drive and his determination. If there is something that Mr. Scott wants, he will do whatever he can to get it. Um, to make it happen. He is so determined. If he sets his mind to something, he is going to do whatever he can to achieve it. And it's really inspiring. Um, it's cool to be alongside and encouraging him to do those things. We've got to do some pretty cool stuff and be on a lot of adventures because some wild idea he had and said, I'm going to go get it. And so <laughs> I love that. It's super fun. And I love seeing that instilled in our kids too. Um, his work ethic and and the things that he that he has is instilled in our kids, and it's just it's cool to watch them grow up into little humans and little people that are just really like doing cool stuff. And I think a lot of it has to do with his example of his drive. Um, number two is the way that he loves us and uh, the way he'll do whatever it takes to make us happy. He might give us a little bit of a fight about it. No, he likes to give us a hard time. But at the end of the day, man, whatever will make us smile or make us happy, he, he really tries to make it happen. And that's super important because that's just showing his love. That's the way he shows his love to us. Uh, and number three, oh, no, he's, he's going to love this one. Uh, the way he keeps me in check and keeps me grounded. So he did say I was positive most of the time. I love that he said that. But there are times that I struggle, and I do seek him for counsel and stuff. And one of the things that he always does that I absolutely love, it's actually a quality that my dad had and uh, one of my probably my favorite thing about my dad. But he always helps me see the positive side of things or the bright side of things or the other side of things. You know, sometimes I'm one-track-minded and thinking – this way, and he's like, well, but did you think about it this way? And just sheds light in that, and it, it means a lot to me because I'm like, well, no, I didn't, or, well, no, I am overreacting. You're right. I need to get it, get it together. It's usually not that easy. It takes her a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I thought that was just uh, kind of a neat little thing to do because I had heard quite a while ago Dan Moeller had talked about how his wife had, said, had kind of went out of her, like unprompted, had said, something like about his spirituality and how different he was and how awesome he was. And he was like, you know how important that is? Because that she is someone who knows the most intimate me that there is. Like I, she knows me behind all the closed doors. Like, mm -hmm. the, And so for someone who knows you that well to say such, uh, such things about you like that is just, uh, it's unmatched. It can't, it, one of my favorite on his marriage, advice things he's like when you realize that your spouse doesn't owe you anything it changes the way that you love them and i i remember listening to a sermon that he preached and it was all i was like you're right you know they don't owe me anything i just get the privilege of loving them and if we live every day like that thing and god you know our marriage really outside our friendships is the only like relationship that we choose yeah. You know, um, our family, we don't choose who our family is, but our marriage outside of friendships are, is the only one that we choose. And um, it's such a privilege. It's such a privilege to be able that God were to give us a, a spouse to love for all the days of our life. And I think that if we live it that way, 
and realize it's a privilege to get to love them, um, it, it changes changes things for you. And they don't owe you anything. So you don't do kind. Um, I have this little scripture on my desk, and it says, let every, or not scripture, it's a little quote, let every kind thing you do be out of love, not for love. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that, you know, I do kind things for him, not so that he'll love me back, but just because I love him, you know. There it is. Well, I'm going to end with this. Um, last night at the Sweetheart Banquet, Rick talked right at the end about how awesome and important it is that we have the length of marriage, like how many marriages we have within the church that have the time under their belts that they do. And so I looked up some numbers on uh, divorce rates and such. Um, according to the American Psychological Association, the across the board, the divorce rate is 40 to 50% generally. People in their second marriage, even worse, at 60 to 70%. First of all, never be a statistic. Get your marriage fixed. That's right. <laughs> uh, yes. Get your marriage locked in with God. Um, and then furthermore, a professor at the University of Virginia did a study, and uh, active Protestant people who regularly attend church are 35% less likely to divorce than those who have no association with the church and are 20% more likely than people who just claim the name, you know, like just, I'm a Christian and maybe come to church every now and then. You're, if you are regularly attending, you're 20% more likely to have a more successful marriage just by coming to church from what this shows. The hard number, 60% of people who rarely attend church but do say they are a Christian face divorce at some point, Hmm. over half, realistically worse than the rest of the world, probably because the devil's coming after you a little harder. He he doesn't want you to get any closer than you already are. So husbands, actively pursue your wife. You're never that tired. Wives, be an active supporter of your husbands. He's never that wrong. It's, I think it's this time we all take God's unions back from the devil. It's just yeah. high right. time. I think that the craziest thing is, like, we can believe as Christians that Jesus can forgive us of sins. He can heal. He can raise people from the dead. He can, you know, grow back fingers and arms and all these things. But then, like, when it comes to marriage, sometimes we think, yeah, but he can't restore my marriage. Well, that's ridiculous. He can do anything. I don't care if it's shattered into tiny little pieces like ashes. God can restore it. And so have that same faith that Jesus can raise people from the dead. Well, he can restore my marriage no matter what shape it looks like it's in, you know. We call ourselves Christians because we believe what the Word says, and the Word says that he is a restorer. That doesn't just mean of some things. That means all things, and that's marriage included. All right. Well, thank you so much, Ben and Jazz, for taking your time to have this little chat with me today. You're welcome. Yeah, thanks for having thanks us. Thanks for having us, awesome. yeah. Well, folks, thanks for listening. Don't forget you can find this podcast on Instagram now at the underscore deeper underscore podcast. Uh, so give us a follow over there and make sure you hit whatever button you need to on here to get notifications so you get notified when we post new episodes every week. I'm going to say a quick prayer and then I'll talk to you next Wednesday. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word that is constantly revealing something new to us every time we open our Bibles. And Lord, as the entire country celebrates Valentine's Day today, I just pray for authenticity. I pray that people don't feed into the devil's agenda to make love about candy and flowers and hearts 
in just one day in February, but today is a celebration of genuine love that people are putting into action all year long. And Lord, I pray on behalf of all marriages in this world, and I just pray that people are pursuing each other each and every day, and I pray for people to give as much time and effort to their marriages as they do to their work and to their hobbies. And I pray for a revival in this country, specifically in the marriage, the way you designed it, God. And finally, I thank you right now for Jesus, and it's his name. Amen.